This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing November to Remember 1995, which took place on, I'm sorry, November 18th. How's November to Remember going to be in August, Nate? November 18th, 1995 at the ECW Arena. Nate Maxson here along with my brother Aaron. Hello. And uh, this is a very, how you say, significant event in ECW, especially in 1995 in ECW. There's a few different things going on here, which we will touch on as we get through the episode, or as we go through the show. But Aaron, anything anything in particular that stood out to you for this show, or do you just want to tell, tell tell us when we get to the... Um, well, the, the particulars I'll say when we get to it, but the one thing I'll say about the show is that I know like week after week, after week, after week, um, we've been talking about like, it's becoming more ECW. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's been ECW since we started, it's like, it's starting to become the ECW that people look the back ECW, on the now, EC, that, well, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's becoming the ECW that is in, in your psyche when you think about ECW. Yeah. This is the show, in my opinion. Like, this is the one where it's like, they, like, they, I should say, pull, figure it out. And this is the most ECW, ECW show we've watched so far. It's, it's yes. It's, it's setting every, it sets everything up. And it, they're about to move into the 96 through 2001 where that, that's ECW. You know what I mean? Yes. There's no more, there's no more, well, I shouldn't say no more goofy shit because there's always goofy shit in wrestling, but you know what I mean? Yeah, you're dusting off the, you're, du- you're finally dusting off the remnants of that first, that first, that first part of ECW, like I'm not saying Cabrini, but I'm just saying you're, you know, we're we're well past Cabrini, but you're shaking off, I guess the indie elements. And I I don't want to hate on the guy because without him, there wouldn't be an ECW, but this is in my opinion, and I wasn't behind the scenes, so I can't say for sure, but this show and going forward is definitely Paul taken pretty much everything like idea wise and booking wise away from Todd. Oh yeah. From beginning to end, you can tell Paul E was the guy that orchestrated this entire show. We, and, and it starts off, it starts off with something that I I was laughing right out of the gate. Joey Styles intros the show. Welcome to the ECW home. Of course, this is the home video version of November to remember. 1995. 1995. The Broad Street Bully and Donnie Allen are in the ring. Yeah, that's Darby's dad, right? (laughs) Uh. It's Darby Allen's dad. Donnie Allen, Darby Allen's dad. You know what? It all makes sense. Yeah, his his first name is Darb. Middle name starts with an E. He's got his dad's middle name. Darby Allen. Yeah. Eccleston. Darb Ecclestein Allen. <laughs> well, the 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 gimmick right. here, the 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 punchline here is that Bubba Dudley is going to be the special guest ring announcer. In the beginning, this shit cracks me up because Bubba is, you know, he's 
he's still dressed like a Dudley, but he's got a he's he's got a top hat. He's got a bow tie. He's half dressed up. Yeah. Joey even says he's like, oh, he snazzed up for the evening. He bought part of a tux. Part of a tux. Yeah, yeah, yes. Part of a deep part funny. of a tux. <laughs> and the crowd, and, of course, wants, um, wants him. Oh, go ahead. What I was going to say was, like, he's doing the stuttering gimmick, and it doesn't last long. And do you think that, I mean, obviously, Paulie or whoever knew who Bubba was, you know, like, saw him on the indies or whatever. That's a big guy. We can bring him in, do whatever. Or Bubba reached out to him and sent him fucking pictures and shit and said, look at me. And he's like, oh, look at that big guy or whatever. Either way, when he got him, He's like, I'm going to give him this stuttering gimmick and you're going to be Bubba Dudley. And not knowing the guy, but knowing how everybody has said he is in the back. Like he was a promo, he's a promo cutting guy in the back, you know, fucking around. Not as bad as JBL, but like a loud guy, you know. Do you think that Paulie signed him and was like, oh, you're going to be the stuttering Dudley? And then was like, holy shit, listen to this guy talking the fucking back. Got to get him out of that quick. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that. And then, of course, Devon comes along here soon too. But there's no doubt in my mind, especially once Devon came along, that he was like that. That that is what the Dudleys are going to be. Whoever else falls off or goes away, whatever. That that I've got. You know, he he you start this gimmick as a comedy gimmick. Comedy gimmick. And then you just happen to put these two guys who turn out to be fantastic fucking talents in it. Yeah. Because if, if, yeah, I bet you if, and, and this I isn't hating on any of the other guys, but I bet you if Bubba and Devon never would have showed up, the Dudleys wouldn't have lasted too long. It would have been like a sin and out. Yeah. But yeah, I think again, he, I think he, man, I, I just don't, I, part of me is I was like, I bet Paulie didn't know this guy was a fucking charismatic, loud motherfucker. And then, <laughs> Over time, was like, okay, I this guy, we got to get his real personality out there. Absolutely, ahead, well, but you know, it's just the funny. The funny thing about this is, this is all funny to me because, of course, Bubba's the stuttering. And Karen said he's the stuttering Bubba Dudley, but he starts to do the ring announcing, and he absolutely nails it. Like he's just like, this is the November to Remember show in the EC, the fabulous ECW arena in beautiful downtown Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And then, because the crowd's chanting, what's your name, what's your name, what's your name, because they want him to do the buh, 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 and he doesn't do it. So I think what they were trying to do is convince the crowd that it wasn't going to happen. But then he goes, let's get ready to rook, rook, rook. And yeah, so he goes to do the let's get ready to rumble, and that's when the, when the stutter hits. And just funny shit all around. It is, and the stuttering starts every time he kind of like looks or gets acknowledged by Big Dick. <laughs> like Bubba's character originally was terrified of Big Dick Dudley. Yeah, you're right. I guess I didn't I I didn't pick up on that, but you're right. If you do watch it, a lot of times that is what makes the stutter start is that he's intimidated by his brother. And the funny part about Big Dick is like people. As the story goes on, like, he doesn't say much. He doesn't do much, you know? 
But his character is almost like the like the leader of the Dudleys through like, intimidation. Yeah, and he's like he's the biggest brother. He's fucking terrifying, and it, it the big dick character doesn't. I don't want to say it. It doesn't get enough credit for what it was, but we'll talk about that as as we go on. But anyway, um, the Bubba stutters. Oh, sorry. You can no, you ahead. can tell the story of the show. I was just going to say Bubba stutters and then uh, clocks Donnie Allen. He gets mad at himself. He's like, "Oh fuck this!" Yes. <laughs> clocks and Donnie Allen gives know. him the gives him the Bubba bomb. What do they call it? The Bubba uh, the what do they call Bubba's because I I call it the stutter bomb because it's like buh, buh. he tries to lift the guy up two or three times and then gets the power bomb out, bomb on him. So I wrote, wrote Bubba Stutter Bomb. I don't know if that's what they called it or not, but I don't know either. But yeah, it's just, and then Bubba ends up pinning. I think it's Donnie, and Joey's like, "Well, that wasn't even supposed to be a match, but I guess Bubba Ray won." <laughs> and then the Dudleys leave. So that's how that went. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I I enjoyed Nothing it. I was enter- I was entertained by it. Then we come to Paulie dangerously in the ring. And this is one of those things where we that said, I do have some comments on. Same. Um, this is this is one of those things that we said at the beginning is this is why this is a substantial event in ECW. And definitely, like Aaron said, getting us on the roll that ECW is going to go on for the next few years. I mean, and we'll get to it eventually. I think ECW peaks at the first pay-per-view, but um Anyway, that's a couple of years from now. Paulie's in the ring. He asks for the lights to be dimmed, and when the lights come back on, holy shit, Sabu has returned to ECW. And the crowd and the goes wild. Nice. Yes. And um, a few months earlier, they were chanting, fuck Sabu. We don't need him. Go to hell. Fuck him. If they would have had, like, a thing to burn in effigy or whatever, like whatever that word is, they would have burned it in the fucking parking lot. The ECW, the ECW arena crowd was the beginning of what has become the internet wrestling crowd today. No, they're sheeple. Yes. And I mean, I'll just use this as an example, you know, just the way like, Stupid, and I'm saying the internet wrestling, the IWC people, folks. I'm not talking about average fans that just like to watch the wrestling. I'm talking about these toxic people on the internet that, like, if somebody's in the WWE, if you're an AEW internet guy, if somebody's in the WWE, they stink. <laughs> but the minute they go to AEW, they're great. You know that kind of a thing. Yeah. But and yes, you're, you're right. They were also they were like, saying, it's like, oh, this guy's so great. Once he shows up, they're like, he was so misused. Blah, 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 blah. And it's fine if you want to be a fan of something. That's cool. You yeah. know what I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not hating on it. But don't, I don't want to say it. Like, it's also like that ECW crowd was also like guys that were just wrestling fans. But when they were in that building, they just wanted to pretend they were ECW. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, if you watch, like if you watch like WCW and WWF pay-per-views and events from like the early nineties, 
like Hat Guy and Buck Robley are in the front row at like WCW Spring Stampede. Mm-hmm. Well, you and know, not so to mention, not to mention, fan. not to mention, they're obviously watching WWF and WCW because of some of the chants and shit that they do. You know, so yeah, you're right. They're just yeah, so while they're like, in, it's like while they're it's in there, while they're in there with the great unwashed masses. <laughs> admit you're a wrestling fan, and um, not to bring it modern product wise or whatever. Um, like the AW people are like, oh, this is the best promotion in the world. Da 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 da. It's like, well, no, it's not for one, and um. This might sound, I don't know if I'm going to go off rail here, but or whatever. But Cody helped start that thing and was like the internet darling forever. And then uh, Cody Rhodes is now, I think, the biggest professional wrestling star in the world, in my opinion. I'd say after after uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, you're probably right. I wouldn't count Brock because Brock was like like out of wrestling too. But I'm just saying, in the scope of wrestling, Cody's the fucking man, and it's like he would have never got there if he wouldn't have had like he was a he was a big star in the a in AEW, but then he got to the WWF and he's. Or went back to the WWF. He's the biggest fucking star in the in the whole business. But anyway, that that that's getting off what we're talking about. But that's what I was saying about this Sabu thing. It's like he left to go to Japan to make some bigger money because Paulie wasn't paying him, and Paulie's like, "This guy's an asshole." But now he's back, so oh, he's let's hug yeah. him and went to Japan and then he did it. He went to Japan and he did a very small small run in WCW. He made a couple appearances on Nitro and Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc. But now he's back in ECW. And, back in- and uh, that's where they kind of leave that for now. The next thing that we see is a match between Jason and Conan. Joey yes. Styles, Joey Styles strangely Joey Styles does the announcing for this. I didn't understand why he was doing the announcing. Other than just to be I able to do I, the itchy I, gimmick. Well, I know. I think I know why. Um, Joel Gertner is the announcer for the show, and Joel um, is very new to what he's doing. And this was going to involve an interview. And I think Polly knew that Joel probably is going to be out of his fucking level if he's trying to get over an angle. So he's like, "Ah, we got to put Joey in there." Because like Joey's got to interview Taz, you know what I mean? So yeah, Joel isn't gonna be able to be like, hey Taz, what are you doing here? You, you know what does that what I'm saying make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's like let's not put this noob in here. Not calling Joel a not calling um Joel a noob, but at the point he was, you know what I mean? It it's like eh, let's not have this guy that we've only had ring announcing the, the luchadors because he speaks Spanish trying to get our fucking angle over because it, it, it's it you don't know it at this point but it's a fucking angle they're building into yes you know what I mean so it's like eh, yes, we better they, not fuck it up let's put some let's put some pros out there to make sure this fucking shit gets over they're definitely setting up that this is a setup obviously to run through the show there's a reason that they have Taz coming out here 
to be the referee during this match. But of course, Jason taunts Taz, calls him monkey boy, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Conan essentially pins Jason in seconds. So none of this is really all that important, you don't think. We're going to find out later on in the show why it is, and also why this is great storytelling, and why you can tell this is Paul Heyman. The next match on the show, unless you had anything else on that segment. It's just like, um, basically, I don't know if you mentioned that Taz was the referee for the match. Yes. But... Yeah, but yeah, he was going to be the special guest ref, and he ends up punching Jason because Jason calls him a son of a bitch and a monkey boy. And then Conan hits Splash Mountain on him and pins Jason in like four and a half seconds. The next match on the show, El Puerto Ricano against Stevie Richards. This match is also fairly important because this is where we get the official introduction of the Blue Meanie. Um, the meanie is, is, is at ringside and he presents, uh, Stevie Richards with a present and it's a flock of seagulls belly shirt. Yes. Flock of seagulls belly shirt. And, uh, yeah, the, this is the first appearance, I believe, because I know we've seen Brian Heffron in the crowd before, but I think this might be his first appearance as the blue. Man. Uh, it is on TV. I think they probably, um, did it on whatever loop they had because once he find and that's the um the funny thing like like i didn't want i don't i don't want to sound like i was shitting on the ecw crowd when i was talking about the sabu thing because um meanie was one of them you know what i mean like he was a fan and the guy like the crowd knew him and shit just as a fan or whatever but the minute he gets to jump the rail all those guys, like all those ECW hardcore fans, are like so happy for him. Yeah, <laughs> like they're like, yeah, like Hat Guy and Robley and Howard Stern looking guy and all that. They're all fucking happy that he's got to get into the show. But this is the first on camera image that you get a meanie, and something that's cool. And I uh, and I actually had it in my notes but i didn't mention it because i don't want to spoil anything he's not reacting as the show is going on because he's there but he's just sitting there and he's watching or whatever and then stevie comes out and then he gets all animated and does his thing and um i love how do i say like raven talked about meanie because he came up with the blue meanie gimmick like he obviously came up with all this a lot of this shit with the the nest and everything but who thinks, oh, man, my flunky should have a flunky. <laughs> and genius, genius, that's who. Yeah. My flunky should have a flunky. That way, when it, I abuse, that way when I abuse my flunky, he can abuse his flunky. Yeah, it's great shit. Like when my cats fight. Like one of the cats gets his like ass kicked by a cat. Ass so ass then that other cat goes and beats up another cat because his pride is yeah. like... <laughs> It's flunky has a flunky. It's great shit. We also get like to instead see of Stevie instead, instead of Stevie's character being like, man, Raven treats me like shit. I should be nicer to people. He was like, man, this guy's beating the shit out of me. Who can I smack around? Like, it's 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 genius. But go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say during this is uh, it's a great introduction to Meanie too because you get to you get to pop for two reasons. One, this big fat guy, let's be honest, big fat guy, does a moonsault, but he also misses the moonsault. So it's fun for two yeah. separate reasons. It's first of all, it's like, wow, that big fat guy did a moonsault. Oh, that big fat guy missed the moonsault. <laughs> and um. The other thing I really liked about it, and we're going to go back to Joey, is all the questions. Because he doesn't have, yeah. like, a commentating partner with him. So he just has all these questions. Like, he's watching it, and he's like, what is a blue meanie? Blue meanie? What's that? Oh. The Beatles. All right. Why is he wearing a half shirt? Like, who is this guy? Like, he's just got so many questions. He's just like, like his his character, his commentating character is like, I don't know what the fuck we're, is going on. We're essentially hearing his train of thought. His train of thought. Yeah, like what is, what is this? What is happening? And that is why I'll say, I'll say till the day I die how great Joey was at his job. Oh yeah, and he, um, I'm oh, good. Sorry. I was just gonna say for being a one man booth as long as he was as long as he was and just being able to essentially be his own color man a lot of the time and and because he essentially what Joey did instead of having a color man to talk to, he just talked to us. you know what I mean? like you were just saying like instead of being able to turn to a Bobby Heenan or somebody and go, why the half shirt? essentially what Joey Styles character is doing is looking at us the audience and going, What's a blue meanie? Why is he wearing a half a shirt? Yeah. But, you know, he's just, he's so like good at what he's doing. And it's crazy how good he was with not having um, a lot of time in the business before he got there. I know he had Paul, you know, because a lot of ECW obviously is post-production or whatever. But it's crazy how good he was just out of the shoot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, sorry, Stevie does win this with the super kick. Then we go to a tag team match. It's the Eliminators with Jason against the Pitbulls. And I put down here, I'm just watching this match, and I forget, I I guess to my to the years gone by, to the, you know, I don't know, just it was so long ago and everything, and, and, and with... It, I've watched lots of wrestling over lots of years. And one of the things that I forget until every time until I watch them is how fucking impressive the Eliminators were. Oh, yeah. Like, I even put that. And that, and it's going to be a couple of years down the road where Perry leaves and we ended up finding all the backstage reasons why and all that shit and everything. But it's like, I don't know why... Maybe because Cronus had known issues or whatever, why it wasn't like a package thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll go back, so I'll go back, back or when we get there, I'll go back through some dirt sheet stuff and see if I can fit if I can find out at least what the dirt sheets said. But I always assumed it was just because by that point, when Perry was ready to go to WCW, that Cronus's demons were well known 
That's all I can think ever think of because he was a talented and, fucking and guy. He, and, yeah, and he and and if it would have been like Perry going to the WWF, you know, I would have understood or not understood. Um, how do I say? Not being able to say, oh well, I get why, like athletic wise, I would have been like, oh, I could understand why a Vince McMahon would look at the Eliminators in like 96 or 97 and be like, why would we hire that guy? Because he was he was pretty he was pretty pear-shaped by He was pudgy. (laughs) Yeah, he's pretty pear-shaped by he was pretty pear-shaped by then. But WCW didn't give a shit about that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I, so that's the only reason I can think is probably he had a bad rep of extracurricular extracurricular activities is the only thing I can think. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. But um, they don't have a lot of notes on the match because it's a good match, and we say that all the time that like when something's good, you're just kind of watching it. Um, one of the only notes I have is, and Joey points it out. When two does that big bump over the top rope, he fucks his elbow up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of fucking like, like wounds or whatever that you can see on TV where you're like, oh shit, that's fucking deep. Like, that wasn't him like cutting himself. Like, he fell over that fucking rope. He fell over those buckles and fucked his arm up yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, he it was definitely didn't miss a beat. The match was good. Um, the Pitbulls, excuse me, the Pitbulls do wind up winning the match, but the Eliminators get their heat back afterwards, which obviously tells us this. There's, it's funny because some of the show, some of the show feels like Super Show, and then some of the show feels like we're definitely just taping this. And I can tell you that's true because this show happened on November eighteenth. And with me going through the episodes of ECW after, the next episode of ECW that we are going to review, because it's the next one that has anything that isn't just isn't part of this show, is the I think it's like December 12th <laughs> edition of ECW. So they definitely get some miles out of this November to remember paper, or uh, I guess they're not pay-per-views at this time, but November to remember show on TV. And the only other question I had, and for... Because, you know, I tell you, sometimes I write down questions as I'm watching the show is and I know you're a married man, but this is just whatever. Um, To me, Francine has always been an attractive lady. Yes. Okay. Still is. Still is. But is and you could go either way with some females that do this. But is pre-surgically enhancing Francine or post-surgically enhancing Francine hotter? If that makes sense. All right, I'll preface this by saying I think I I think she's always hot, but I Hard actually I actually would say pre-enhanced Francine. Yep. Again. That's yeah. not saying that she not saying got, got not hot. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, she's just saying, like, I don't know. She, she just, had, she I had a, she had kind of a sexier look. I think so too. And I have a question on the next match too, but we'll, okay, we'll, we'll ask that in a minute. It may actually 
be, it may actually, the answer to your question might be in my notes here. The next match is Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio in what is billed as a Mexican death match. Joel Gertner is our referee. He does a good job doing the ring announcing in both Spanish and English. Do you want to ask, ask me your question now, or should I tell you what my note is? You tell me your note. I'll, uh, before you tell me that, before you tell me that, this is basically a Texas death match, and I hate those. Fucking hate them. So that's. But anyway, go ahead. Was that your okay? So what I wrote down. It's not my question. Okay, my note is this is a Texas death match, pinfall or submission. Then you have to answer the ten count. Why do I hate this format for a match? Here's why I hate this format for a match. Because if Rey Mysterio and Psych... It also kills the psychology. Because if Rey Mysterio and Psychosis were to actually just have a match, they would go 30 minutes with no finish. So how am I to believe that just because this match is billed as a Mexican death match, all of a sudden uh, Psychosis is going to be able to Uh, pin Rey within the first minute and a half? And then Ray's going to be able to pin him three minutes later. And then somebody's going to submit five minutes later. Like this, that format for a match is terrible wrestling psychology. Yeah. We talked about it on a show a while back. And I, I, I think it was uh, We Can't Wrestle, where I said, This is my least favorite stipulation of a match. And it, it's just dumb. And even if, like, say you would do a Texas death match. And you didn't have a fall for 30 minutes. And then some guy squeaks out a pin and the crowd goes wild. Now they're going to stand there for 10 seconds. Right. And wait and see if the guy stands up. 10 seconds might not sound like a lot, but think about it standing in a room with a bunch of people. And you're just like looking at a guy laying down. It's like that. that that's a long fucking time. It's it's a stupid stipulation. And it hurts me to say it because it was started by a great family of people, but just a bad, bad stipulation. But the question that I have is, um, we know Vince didn't watch ECW. Okay, like Vince, Vince wasn't sitting around watching hardcore TV and seeing what was going on or whatever. But we do know that guys like Benoit and Malenko and Conan and Ray and Psychosis all wound up in WCW. Do you think Eric was actually watching or do you think he was just going off what Sullivan was telling I think he was going off of what Kevin Sullivan was telling him. I, I mean, I guess here's my thing. I don't think Eric Bischoff was watching ECW, but I think Eric Bischoff was the kind of guy that if Kevin Sullivan came to him with a tape of a certain talent or something, then he was going to watch it. Yeah, we need to take that guy. We need to get. I don't. I don't think Eric Bischoff is going out of his way to watch ECW on Saturday night. I don't think he was either. And you know why? Do you know what made me think of it? Was I watched the thing where they were talking about the Luchadors, and he brought up like they brought up Ray and Psychosis, and. He talked about he like he said when I saw Rey Mysterio at the at the nineteen ninety five World Peace Festival, and it was like the like it was the show after the like 
show in Korea or whatever. And like Anoki tried to put another one on. And and it's like Paulie's like, he was watching my show and stole my talent. It's like, no, he saw a guy on a peace festival and probably looked at Sullivan or somebody and was like, or Terry Taylor and was like, that Ray Mysterio is really fucking cool. Like, oh, if you think that's cool, look at this shit he did in ECW. Like, I don't think Bischoff was just targeting ECW. I think he was just going off what other guys were telling him. You know what I mean? I, I think at this point you're I think right. At this point you're right. I think, but I think at one at his, there was a certain point when ECW got so on the radar that they really did get gutted by the other two. <laughs> but at oh, this did. point, you know, at this point, yeah, I mean, it, Bischoff, Bischoff is seeing tapes of people like Mysterio, Malenko, Benoit, Conan, etc. But I don't think he's just seeing them in ECW. ECW is just part of what he's seeing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these guys were big in Mexico or big in Japan, then came through ECW quickly, and then we're off to the... Yeah. It's like I said, I don't think he's sitting on his fucking couch at fucking 2 o'clock in the morning watching the fucking Sunshine Network and <laughs> being like, we need we need psychosis. You know, it was a... Now, but like I said here, I didn't even like write down... Here, the, I didn't write down all the finishes or anything. I just wrote down... Um, I don't like this format, there, but there's a lot. This match is still good, obviously. The talent's great. And lots of ECW tropes, you know, throughout this. Chairs and going through the crowd and weapons and such. But Rey Mysterio winds up winning the match up on the stage. And then afterwards... Well, he didn't win the match up on the stage. That's why it's stupid. <laughs> he didn't win the match up on the stage. He pinned the guy on the stage... And then him and Jim Molino walked through the crowd. And then Jim Molino counted to 10. So Psychosis laid around for like 22 seconds. And they were like, oh, praise the winner. After that beautiful fucking spot. And that crowd losing their minds. It's like, now we're going to fucking walk hand in hand to the ring. And I'm going to count to 10. And oh, he's your winner now. Imagine me and you, stupid. and you and me, no matter how they toss the dice. That to be anyway, <laughs> but yeah, Ray Mysterio wins. Stupid. Um, Ray Mysterio wins the match. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, Jason comes out, talks shit about I Conan. Like this. Go ahead, you can go ahead. You sum it up. Well, I don't know all everything that he said, but he talks shit about Conan and that Conan didn't actually beat him. Taz beat him and yada, yada, yada. And he wants to be Ray's manager and, and Ray keeps like pushing him away and saying, I don't want anything to do with you. And I thought it was really funny that, that Jason was like, listen to me, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like that made me laugh. And he said, listen to me, you little bitch. And that entire crowd was like, and then 911 shows up and that brings out the eliminators and 911 ends up choke slamming both of them and Ray winds up on 911 shoulders and it's the gimmick of the littlest guy on the roster is hanging out with the biggest guy on the roster and there's only one thing I didn't like about and to his credit and you can't say this about a lot of one trick ponies 
But to his credit, for a one-trick pony man, 911 stayed over with that ECW crowd for a long-ass fucking time. You got to oh, give yeah. the guy credit. <laughs> yeah, and it's because the crowd, the crowd liked him. You know what I mean? Like, he was the first big, like, um, holy shit moment guy. And the only thing I didn't like about it was, and I'm not Paul Heyman, so I'm not obviously trying to say i'm smart or anything but i'm watching the show and i'm like you bring these big eliminators in and they're supposed to be this badass team and they lose their match i don't know they got their heat back a little bit you know but they lose their match and now they both just get double choke slammed it's like they both they got jobbed out like twice in one night i'm like yeah i don't know about that if that makes sense yeah. I mean, even even if they didn't get even if they didn't or even if they you did want to feed them to 911 a little bit, you could have at least let him like get him to his knees and beat him down a little bit or whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? Make they could they could be the guys that make 911 look vulnerable or what. Yeah, I just didn't like him getting their I didn't like him getting beat and then getting their asses handed to him in, in the same night. All right, the next matchup here at the November to Remember show is going to be the title on the title for a title on the title with the title. There's a title and there's a title over here too. It's the TV champion Scorpio teaming with the Sandman, and they are the tag team champions. And they are facing. And full disclosure. Oh. No, Sorry, ahead. I was going to say full disclosure. Full disclosure, I'm going to have to take your lead on this. Because I woke up today at like four o'clock in the morning because of work, and I'm watching this show, and I made the mistake of reclining my chair, <laughs> and you fell asleep during this match, and, and, and I dozed off a little bit because the main thing I took from it was it took a long time for all of these guys to get to the fucking ring. Well, that and also my my notes for that you didn't really you didn't honestly you didn't miss a lot because. Because my notes for this match, I want to start this. with this. This is Public Enemy's last appearance in ECW for quite some time. Um, actually, I believe it was the next night. The next night, in Land, I think it was in Landover, Maryland, the Public Enemy fought the smoking guns in the dark match at the Survivor Series. If it wasn't the next night, it was the next next Sunday. But anyway... They had a match, a tryout match with the WWF against the Smoking Guns as the dark match at the Survivor Series. They were actually offered a contract by the WWF, but did turn it down and wound up signing with ECW or with WCW. So this is the last appearance of the Public Enemy for quite some time. I don't think they come back to ECW until like '99, which is Remember, crazy this because is their, this is this is their. It's end? crazy. It's yeah. Because, like I said, they huh. they go they go to they go, they wrestled at the Survivor Series in that dark match against the Guns, and then shortly thereafter they signed they with that. WCW. Shortly there, if they, if they're okay. on again, I don't know about it. I'm pretty sure this is it. It's kind of crazy too because okay. you think of you think of ECW and you think of Public Enemy as an ECW act, but they really weren't there through the actual heyday of ECW. <laughs> I knew that. I just I don't know why I thought like it was later for them showing up in WCW. So okay, nope. 
Yeah, I think they. I think they. And maybe think they that's maybe the, that's why the match sucked because they didn't want to. They didn't want to like. Yeah, because I'm out almost going out. I'm, almost, I'm almost positive they they are in WCW by like January of nineteen. Okay. I mean, you got but you it, got the notes in front of you, so you know better than me. But anyway, yes, the match. My notes on the match, honestly. I, I wrote down, you know, of course, the, the ECW crowd, as fickle as they are, first they chant, please don't go to the public enemy. And then they go into a na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye, because they, they're bipolar. But anyway, but um, anyway um, the match itself, I wrote down, this is too fucking long. And it's just that stuff where the guys are just walking around. And sometimes that's not entertaining. It depends on who's doing it. Um, so, I guess that that might be why, like, huh, I don't want to say it, like, I just kind of dozed in and out watching the fucking match, because I was like, I'm fucking tired, and whatever, and I thought, like, this entrance, these entrances are never going to fucking end, and... Yeah, when I, when I watched... By the time I woke up, Sandman was pinning... Yeah, when I... When I... When I watch these shows, like if I watch if, if Sandman's shows, coming down, I fast forward to save myself some time because I know it's going to be not only is it going to be a long entrance, I wouldn't care if probably if it had the original music, but since it's going to be a long ass entrance, plus it's just going to be some WWE Network garbage music, I'll just fast forward through his which, entrance. Which is WCW music or his WCW music, his WWE Network music, Peacock music, whatever you want to call it. It ever picks up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the first it's like the first 14 seconds of Enter Sandman over and over again. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I mean my only other notes. My only other notes. Rocco 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 does hit a great plancha to the outside during this match. Scorpio does hit a perfect moonsault during this match. But like Aaron said, Sandman, essentially what happens is Sandman's all fucked up and shit but uh he winds up accidentally pretty much falling on johnny grunge to pin him to pin him so that means that he's gonna get the shot at mikey whipwreck or supposedly gonna get the shot at mighty mikey whipwreck later on in the night for the ecw title scorpio revives the sandman <laughs> with a beer he almost said mighty whipwreck mighty 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 mike that would have been that would have been a great superhero super humor hero gimmick Mighty whipwreck. Vince might have um, hired him. Talking then. about and Vince might Vince yeah. might have hired him then because Vince liked Mighty Mouse. <laughs> yeah, but talking about Sandman being all fucked up, have we ever um, talked about the um, camcorder footage of Hack being at Albano's birthday party? Have you ever seen? Yeah, that? we talked. We talked about it like three weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I find it. Maybe I'll post it on the the Facebook group if nobody's ever seen it. It's fantastic. It's the guest that won't leave times ten. It's fucking great. But anyway, go ahead. Well, the next thing on this show is the fight between Todd Gordon and Bill Alfonso with Eula as the referee. We get a nice show your tits chant. From the ECW crowd, real classy guys. Way to way to sexually harass a woman in mass. <laughs> Honestly, though, I probably would have wondered or two if I was there. 
I just have always thought that that chant is so fucking cringy. It's like this poor woman is being sexually harassed by an entire arena full of people, like <laughs> not just her boss or one guy. Now I know it's wrestling and the girls are playing along most of the time. They know they know they know what's going on. They're you know what I mean? They're in on the but I'm just saying from a from an outside person's perspective, you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like if you weren't a wrestling fan you let, you and you let walked into a building. Yeah, you let your you walked into a building. Pigs. Like, I'm not a wrestling fan, but let's go see what's happening in here. <laughs> Everybody's told me it's a it's a it's a great time, especially if you see it live and then you walk in and it's a bunch of 35 year old guys chanting some 22 year old lady, show your tits, show your tits. Like what? See, it's Somehow really that's awful. Your... it's really it's really that's awful when you really think about it, isn't it? <laughs> Somehow it's more offensive than the chant of you're a crack whore. <laughs> Because then they're just explaining what they think you are. Yeah, they're just chanting. Like, they're just chanting at a heel. Yeah, but if they're like, "You're a crack whore," now show your tits. You'd be like, "Whoa!" But <laughs> you treat that crack whore with some respect. <laughs> I understand she's a crack whore, but she's still a person. Anyway, Buell is man managing, refereeing, or she's supposed to be refereeing this match. You'd, I'd use air quotes if we were on TV. This match between Bill Alfonso and Ty Gordon. Yeah, and I mean, this match wasn't meant to be a well-worked wrestling match, and it isn't. I oh, put it's down, not. I put down here, it's as bad as you would think work-wise, but as good as you would think entertainment-wise. Yeah, at the beginning of the show, Joey even says, we're going to have a match between, I mean, a special attraction between <laughs> Todd Gordon and Bill Alfonso. <laughs> and it goes off the rails right away when Alfonso tries to jump on Todd. Yes. You know yes. what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. It looks worse than when Steiner tried to jump off the rings on Raw or jump off the ring on Raw onto fucking Hunter and just fell on his face. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. He, he like is that is that where he like he like went down in, in phases? <laughs> yeah. The like Steiner Hunter feud funny. The Steiner Hunter feud's funny because people like try to marry Hunter on it. But it's like if you watch it, like the minute I and then I saw that fat ass cat, that's funny. <laughs> um if you watch it now being over the excitement of seeing Big Papa Pump come to the WWF, you're like, oh, I don't want to put that fucking guy over either. Yeah, he wasn't... He wasn't... Uh, he wasn't at all. He wasn't, he wasn't a, he wasn't a uh, ready for prime time player anymore. He was not Scott Steiner anymore. It's like, what the fuck? But anyway. Um, Fonzie tries to hit that shitty... He tries to do like a double axe handle off of the apron and onto um, Todd as he's making his entrance. But it basically looks like he just itches his back. <laughs> and Todd can't sell for shit. Todd's in a in a windbreaker outfit and um, uh, Fonzie winds up back in the ring and then um, winds up hitting the most 
um, believable looking bump in the whole fucking situation is when he lariats uh, uh, Beulah. Yes. Like, she did the best job of anybody in the fucking match. <laughs> and then it's all downhill from there. It is. Uh, Fonzie's bloodied during this match, of course. Um, and I did. Todd Gordon tries to hit Fonzie with a frying pan. Or no, Fonzie tries to hit Gordon with the frying pan. But Gordon hits him with a low blow and then hits Fonzie with the frying pan. And then Taz comes out in his. This is where I said earlier on we had to establish that Taz is, is, is registered as an official tonight, right? Yes. This is where your storytelling comes in. This is obviously all a plan between Fonzie and Taz, and Taz screws Todd Gordon. And then I was surprised that the WWE Network left in all the fucks. <laughs> mm. It's it's kind of silly with I shouldn't say silly with ECW, but because I'll watch like ninety nine ECW pay per views where there was a lot of vulgarity and it's still in there, but then I watch shit from like ninety six and they bleep it out. Um, I think honestly they only I don't I don't think the WWE does anything with the language. I think they, I think the only time in ECW that shit is bleeped out is when it's something that was on regular TV and the, the tapes they have of it are bleeped. Something that I thought of was, is the stuff that's bleeped bleeped because it's something they were going to use for a DVD. That's possible too. You know what I mean? Cause there's a pay-per-view and it's going to be a long time from now that we watch that Rhino um, gores uh, Tory Fullington through a table and he's cutting a promo about Sandman. And he's like, and then I, I, I gores your fucking bitch through the table, Sandman. And it's like, it was just on there. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, either somebody's not paying attention to what's going on in these fucking shows or whoever's in charge of the network was just like ah, other than the music let it go any of those theories is possible but this is essentially Taz's heel turn and um, when you say he turned on Todd it's almost more than him turning on Todd it's Taz's character turning on the entire company Yes, and he's talking about how everybody was concerned about when, when Benoit broke Sabu's neck and, and this, that, and the other thing. And Tommy just broke a couple fingers and everybody was like, oh my goodness. We'll write our cards and letters and call and nobody cared about me when I was hurt. And the company didn't pay me, but you know who's paying me? Fonzie's paying me. So now he's Fonzie's guy. He's basically Fonzie's enforcer and Joey's pissed off and it's a great fucking angle. It's a guy... And it was Another, the great, it was the best, it was the best guy to do it with too, because he was one of those guys like, you know, when like we talk about like hat and, and, and Sabu and, and he was a guy that was basically there from the beginning that that crowd grew to fucking like and support and care about. And then he comes out there and he's like, fuck you guys and everything you fucking say it for. I fucking hate you people. And this is, 
this is another reason why I keep saying it, but this is another reason why this is such a substantial, pivotal, pivotal, pivotal event in ECW history. Because, like I said, Sabu's back, Public Enemy's gone, Taz is now forming his union with Bill Alfonso, which is going to become legendary in ECW. There's so much shit going on in this show that's setting up such a great future for this company. And it, it's the first time that, um, because, I mean, they had their little mini feud and they teamed together or whatever. But it's the first time that Taz is articulating his hatred for Sabu. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that feud is, if not more important, but just as important as Raven and Tommy. You know what I mean? Yep. Um. But yeah, like Aaron said, great angle here to and, set up. Um, I know a lot of times, like people talk about um, um, Steve doing the beer drinking and all that shit, you know, and and kind of stole it from Sandman, which he did. I mean, I'm not I, no lie, you know what I mean? I, there's whatever. Everybody in wrestling borrows from other people. But, and you can tell me if I'm out of left field on this. And I know we talked about on other shows like Dave Schultz or whatever. But Taz was, it's a different type of character. He was like a Stone Cold character before Stone Cold, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I don't fuck. know if it does or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck what you people think. And like when the crowd would boo and be like, fuck you. You know, it's like. What, what, like by the time he got to the WWF, I think it was over. But the initial Taz when he started speaking and was doing the brother, you know, all that shit, that was cool shit, man. Mm-hmm. We have a lot. I of actually prefer, come. yeah, I actually prefer the heel Taz over like when he became a good guy in ECW. But yeah, go ahead. We're gonna get. We're gonna. Uh, like I said, with this, him, him turning heel and forming his union with Fonzie, we're gonna get a lot more great stuff coming from Taz over the next couple of years as we go through these shows. The next match on the show is supposed to be Sandman versus Mikey Whipwreck for the ECW title. Sandman gets jumped by Steve Austin in the aisle way, and hey, this is the first time we get to see Steve Austin drink a beer on TV. He takes a chug of the beer on his way to the ring. And the Sandman is is taken out by the EMTs, which ECW. I, it's funny, like gimmicking gimmicking up the the EMTs as damage control seems more like a like a nineteen ninety five Vince thing than it does a nineteen ninety five ECW thing. Yeah, it's funny. Um, this might this might seem like a stupid note, but it's the only time I've ever seen. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, if I missed it. It's the only time I've ever seen um, Steve in, like, long long tights. Did you notice that? Um, yeah. I was trying to think. Well, no. He did wear long tights in Dallas. Okay. Those long powder. Not saying okay. Like, I all right, not saying like okay, you know, like I don't think you're right. I'm like, all right, I don't remember that, but like it was I, just something. I, that I, what, to me. What, like, I don't it, remember as, that. As as stupid as it sounds, the reason that's that's 
what stuck out in my head is literally a match. An image of a, it's so stupid. An image of a match at the Sportatorium with Steve Austin versus a jobber named Frogman LeBlanc. <laughs> and Steve Austin was wearing, Steve Austin, I think, in that match was wearing like powder blue long tights with like white stars on it. But anyway, I remember the match, but I didn't remember wearing that shit. I remember Frogman LeBlanc. <laughs> it's like, what kind of fucking name is that? What's a Frogman? What's your gimmick? Um, but essentially what happens here is Austin takes Sandman's title match against Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey comes out and Austin's like, you little son of a bitch. Tonight you're Eric Bischoff. And this is a good, this is a good little match from these two. Austin does a great, or Mikey does a great job selling for Austin. Austin does a great job putting Mikey over. And I like the fact when he's like, Joey's like, Keep going back to Joey for some reason, but I like the fact that Joey's like, oh, Steve Austin, he's ruined this match. And then Steve Austin's like, for one night in this match, son, consider yourself Eric Bischoff. And Joey's like, all right, beat his ass. <laughs> I mean, no, don't, don't beat Mikey up. Like, for one minute, he's like, I want you to beat his fucking ass. But essentially, and I love later on, I love later on, oh, man, sorry. Essentially, the the way this plays out here, the uh, the beginning of the match, obviously, Mikey's playing the underdog. Austin's giving him the beatdown. The the crowd starts giving Steve Austin a Hulk Hogan chant. Hogan, Hogan. And then to mock them, Steve Austin hits a leg drop on Mikey, but Mikey actually kicks out and then makes a comeback. Um. Austin hits a stun gun on Mikey, and Mikey kicks out of that. So like I said, Austin, they both look good in their respective roles in this. And when, as I say, like, you brought up the Hogan thing. That's funny, because, like, you know, he talks about, like, when he was like, oh, you're Eric Bischoff. Essentially, you're Eric Bischoff for this match. Like, before he got into it, he was like, you know, it's like, I'm not Hulk Hogan. I'm not Randy Savage. Like, you know, because he's talking about main event in the show or whatever for the belt. And then they do, that, they do that Hogan chant to him. And as good as that ECW crowd wanted to heckle people, when somebody would heckle them back, they'd pop for it. Because they're like, Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. And then Steve hits a fucking leg drop, and that crowd's like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you know, he, just, he just fucked with us. Like, they, that ECW crowd, like I said, they'd fuck with people. But if a wrestler could spontaneously fuck back with them, they'd acknowledge it. Yes. And be like, yes. all right, you got us. <laughs> That's good shit, pal. That's good shit, pal. But Mikey winds up beating Steve Austin in this match by pulling the tights and getting a roll up on him and uh, retains the ECW title. Obviously, we know Steve Austin is not long for ECW here. He's going to be in the WWF yeah. by by December. Um as the ringmaster, I think there's, I don't know for sure. Cause I, I stopped, I stopped it. Cause whenever we do watch one of these super shows, folks, I always go through fast forward quickly through the next to, through the episodes afterward to see where we get to start over again. Cause we don't want to review shows, even though there's promos, we don't want to review shows that have a bunch of matches we've already seen. But anyway, I know there's some Austin promos 
Oh yeah, we're coming up on the the ham sandwich and the metal lunchbox promo, which is fucking fan fucking tastic. But yeah, he's definitely not long for ECW at this point. But one of my favorite things, sorry, is um, I can't even remember what fucking DVD or video it's on or whatever. But they show that entire promo from Steve cutting it. And then, um, like, here, Paul, you go, all right, that's a take. Like, this face says, that's a take. And the camera pulls out, and you don't see him. But when Paulie's like, that's a take, you hear you hear Hack in the back be like, Jesus fucking Christ, that was amazing. <laughs> like, that, that hand sandwich and metal lunchbox promo where he's wearing that fucking camouflage shirt and his hair shaved, you know? Like, fucking promo. They show the whole thing, and then when they pan back, you hear the fucking boys pop. Like, God damn, that was fucking great. Anyway. Well, the, the next match yeah. on the show proves that Sabu must really like Hackmeyer. This match went way too fucking long. It went way too long. It was, again, it was Sabu versus Hackmeyer's. Sabu gives Hack a lot in this match. I did not expect that. I, I probably haven't seen this show in. I don't know how many years. So, but anyway, I don't know if it's sorry. I don't know if it's that Sabu really liked Hack, which I'm sure he probably did. But I think this is Pauly liking Hack a lot. Um, they really do have much more of a back and forth match than you would expect this to be. Yeah, like if if your guy's returning and he's supposed to be this big badass, he just come out and fucking murder the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, yeah. what what's it going to hurt Hack? This fucking crowd already likes him anyway. Um, this is this might be a stupid note, but you know what? You know what? One of my first notes before this match being too long is, um, my first note is that I miss a dirty blood covered mat. I really do. Like, like you watch it now, it's like, oh, this match is this. The show's been going for three fucking hours and the mat and the mat's pristine but watching this show this is almost a three hour show and by the time hack and sabu get in there it's fucking dirty it's got holes in it does that does that sound dumb no no it's it's um yeah i mean and that's one of the i guess you gotta gotta clean things up because of health issues or whatever well, no, no, I was going to say that's one of that's one of the downfalls of slick high definition production. They want it to look they want it to look so like they change those mats. You know what I mean? As like when oh, they no, go to commercial and I or whatever it shows where we watch the guys roll the fucking mat out and roll a new mat out. Like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a casualty of of the modern way of presenting wrestling on television. Like that fucking or when they took psychosis out. Like I didn't talk about that, but like when they took him out after losing that that Texas Death match, yeah, I know. I, I it's like, yeah, yeah, the stipulation sucked or whatever. But his white outfit was like caked in dirt and he was all bloody and shit, and like two guys were carrying him out. It's like, yeah, that, <laughs> okay. Like I can dig that because this guy just got the fuck shit the fucking shit kicked out of him. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you don't see that anymore. 
But anyway, like you said, this this hack Sabu match went way too long. Um, and one thing I'll say is like at least they didn't have they did build to it. They did build to Sabu doing the table spot. So I'll give them that. But I I just think it went probably eight minutes longer than it needed to. More than likely, yes. Sabu does win this with an Arabian face buster. And then the reason I said that I thought Sabu liked hack wasn't even so much that the match went so long. It was that I didn't expect the Sabu character to shake hack's hand <laughs> at the end, but he did. Well, um, I think that was a bit of Paul Heyman storytelling too. And the fact that they were trying to bring him back and probably not 100% knowing if the fans were going to accept him back because he did leave and they're rolling him into that Taz feud where Taz, Taz is going to be disrespectful to everybody and we're leaning into the Sabu feud. So Sabu's going to like, it was establishing Sabu as a good guy. If that makes yeah. sense is what I think it was. So we end the show with our main event tag team match, Tommy dreamer and Terry Funk against Cactus Jack and Raven. Lots of good shit here, especially from Cactus. First of all, he comes out and he's wearing an airbrushed Dungeon of Doom t-shirt. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, he wears... I just want to repeat... I just want to repeat that, that. I just want to repeat that. that airbrushed. In the ECW arena... Cactus Jack came to the ring in an airbrushed Dungeon of Doom t-shirt. <laughs> that means his character went to the mall and was like, I love Kamala and I love the shark and I love and Kevin the, Sullivan and the, and the Zodiac. Master. Yes. Please airbrush this for me. Because airbrushing is not it's not a quick process, and it's not cheap. <laughs> and then for an even better effect, for an even better heat getting shit, as the match goes on, again, this is a wild brawl. We're all over the place. These are those kind of matches, like I always say. I don't take a lot of notes on them because there's so much going on that it's just hard to it's it's hard to watch it and take notes. Like I'm well, I, I have very I have, few notes on this match. I, yeah, well, and I don't have time in my life to watch a show and pause it every time I want to take a note. You know what I mean? But essentially what I was getting at here was there's weapons all over the place. People are bleeding early in this match. Look at the th four participants. Obviously Tommy dreamer winds up ripping off the dungeon of doom t-shirt to try to, you know, get at, to, you know, get at the heel cactus jack and underneath that jack has an airbrush t-shirt that says forgive me uncle eric <laughs> so it just gets better and eric's face is airbrushed on the front <laughs> it's like one of them russian dolls you know what i'm talking about yes and you just keep taking it apart like if they would have kept ripping shirts off of him it would have been like oh there's ted <laughs> Strip that shirt off. There's herd. <laughs> that shirt off. Be like, oh, There's... Barnett. Like, what the fuck is going on? And there, are very, I... there, there are lots of wrestlers that I will say are great wrestlers 
great promos, great personalities, but I, 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 I tend to limit the, the, the word genius to very, very few people. Mick Foley was a fucking genius. Yeah. And I shouldn't say was, he's still alive, but as a wrestler, Mick Foley was a fucking And the best guys are guys that were fans. You know what I mean? Like, we're guys that were just, uh, like, that. that's just, that's the only statement, uh, not the only statement I'm going to make, but, like, Mick grew up watching wrestling and then got into wrestling and was smart enough to know that he wasn't smart enough and learned from people and, like, took shit from the guys that he worked with. Like, like you said, like, when he was in, like, Texas, like, he learned shit from there and then... Now I'm next to Kevin Sullivan and Mick knew the Dungeon of Doom was stupid and that hardcore wrestling fans weren't going to like it. You know who else knew the Dungeon of Doom was stupid and hardcore fans weren't going to like it? Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> like, Kevin Sullivan was smart enough to be like, I got to do this stupid shit to get Hogan to like be comfortable. Yeah. Get behind me yeah. and get comfortable. Um, there's, there's no a great fucking sign, here, brother. Here, brother. <laughs> there's a great sign out in the crowd. Did you see it? Uh, I did not because I didn't write anything down. It says Cactus Jack loves Hanoi Jane. <laughs> in reference, of course, to Jane Fonda, Ted Turner's wife. Well, the ref goes down during this match, and Bill Alfonso and Taz come out. It's to, funny because um, the ref goes down. Because Funk hits him with a fire with a frying pan, and Joey's like, "Well, I don't think the ref deserved that. He must have made a bad call in '86." And then the ref find and Jim Molino finally gets up and he's like shaking it off, and then for absolutely no reason, Tommy just DDTs him. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Well, Bill Alfonso comes out with Taz. Taz. Pummels Terry Funk. Um, Bill Alfonso, ironically, is... I, I guess I didn't understand this. Why they involved Alfonso and Taz in this movie. Because the ref got taken out, so they were going to be the new refs. But no, what I'm saying is... <clears throat> what what purpose... Because they, they don't even figure into the finish. So what purpose did it have bringing them out? I mean, I know Taz attacks Terry Funk, but why does Taz attack Terry Funk? I don't know. Just them being involved in this didn't make any sense to me. Um, but another note that I have is during this match, with everybody involved, including Cactus Jack and Terry Funk, fucking Raven is bloody as Raven fuck in this match. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's um, the wrestling trick of the hair and the sweat and all that, but Levy does a great job of getting busted open. And, um, like it just, it was even more than normal during this one, though. He must have hit a gusher or something because he's like, by the end of it, his face is completely like you, the expression crimson mask, like it's a dark fucking crimson mask in this matchup for Raven. Yeah. And, and, and um, Terry pins Raven. And this is um, 
this is a question that I would have wanted to ask Chad, but he's not here, obviously. But um, I'll ask you if you can give like a non-wrestling opinion. You know the folklore of um, Taker's undefeated streak being organic and not being like something that was set out? Yeah. And after they stumbled upon it, they realized this guy's never been fucking pinned. And now he's got this undefeated streak. Do you think that from the onset, they were like, Tommy's never going to beat Raven? Yes. Or do you think it became a, as the story kept going, they were like, this guy never pins him. No, I think, I think that, I I think that was the intention from the beginning. Considering the people involved and the little ways that shit happens, like with this right here. Dreamer literally DDTs Raven to get the win, but it winds up that Terry Funk pins. I I think that, and you know, you'd you'd have to ask the people involved to be perfectly, but from my observation, yes, I think that the essentially the thing was probably from the beginning, their idea was we're going to go through. They probably didn't intend what I think they didn't intend was for this feud to be so long. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have this feud, and through the whole thing, Tommy's never gonna pin Raven. So then, when he finally pins Raven, it's so satisfying. But then, what happened was it caught on, and it spurned on so many other things. They were like, "Man, we can't take the heat off of Raven and Dreamer. They just have to keep feuding." I think that's the part that was unintended was as how long the feud went. This motherfucker went like two and a half years without ever fucking pinning him. <laughs> But yeah, like Aaron said, Terry Funk gets the pin on Raven. But then to end out the show, the heels get their heat back because everything's going to continue. And that is November to remember 1995. So unless you had any other notes on that match, Aaron, I'll get your final thoughts on this show and your final grade on this. I'd give this show a B plus. And, uh, we were we were um, the same we were the same mind on that. I actually also gave it a B plus. That's why I said we need to get another fucking person in here that I can argue with. Um, but um, my takeaway from the show is what I said at the beginning of it. This is, I think, the show where Pauly. Um, I'm not even gonna say that he took it over like aggressively or whatever it's just i think this is the show where it's paul being total creative you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. everything that's gonna this is the most ecw ecw and um there's a lot of shit that shows from it like Taz talking shit sabu's back um we're gonna smash over Steve. Like I thoroughly believe that he thought he had Steve for the long haul, and was gonna make Steve the new um, Shane of his company. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm the superstar. I'm the wrestler because that's what he's doing with Steve. He was to making Steve like the I'm the badass son bitch. Like Steve is like I'm a superstar. I'm a wrestler. I'm a bigger guy than all of you you know what i mean like i think this in my opinion this is paul Heyman's coming out party 
I would tend to agree. And and really my only negative notes on the show, to be honest with you, as I looked as I looked through them as we went through them, was I'm not a fr- a, I'm not a fan of the of the the death match situation or stipulation, but I still enjoyed the match. Other than that, the only other negatives that I really had were that there were a couple of matches that went too long. But other than that, I thought this was a satisfactory show. Very good effort from ECW. And that being said, we're going to wrap it up here on Reliving the Extreme, the November to Remember 1995 edition. And uh, Aaron, any parting words for our listeners? Uh, Just the same shit I say all the time. Just keep listening to our shows, share them, tell your friends about it, because that's the best way to get the news out about it. And um, keep reliving the extreme with us. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. Tell your mama about reliving the extreme. And we will see you next week, everybody, as we continue. Uh, Actually, like I said, we'll be jumping into December because of the next, like, I think three to four television shows are just November to remember stuff. So we'll be jumping forward in time a few weeks. But we will have some fun, and we'll see you next week on Reliving the Extreme.